Welcome to Illegal Double Team. We are Jonathan and Christina Snowden, and we love professional wrestling. Not sports entertainment, professional wrestling. <laughs> well, how are you feeling after Double or Nothing? I feel amazing. It was. Uh, I said on Twitter, I thought it was uh, the best family vacation we've ever had that didn't involve Disney. Uh, just a magnificent, what, five, six days yeah. in Las Vegas. And I think, you know, the highlight, though, was most definitely uh, Double or Nothing at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, what a night. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It was a, a successful trip overall. All the things that I was, you know, fretting so worried about before we left, turns out I didn't need to worry. The boys flew very well. Uh, by their return journey, they acted like, you know, they'd been flying their whole lives. Like, they were frequent flyers. Um, nothing phased them. They understood how security worked and didn't mind waiting in the line and um, understood, you know, how you behave on an airplane. And just, I thought it was amazing. We sat down and they just immediately understood how to find something that they wanted on their uh, screen and the seat and everything. Like, I got in, before I got my headphones out of my bag, both boys have movies playing and they're just like, <laughs> I think Chilling. Yeah, that's definitely a generational thing where they were they were born and raised with these screens, and it's like you know, we didn't need to explain anything to nope. them. Like for real, like Finding Nemo was on before I was figuring out how to select English, <laughs> and I fly Delta all the time. So uh, yeah, that was it, it. All went so spectacularly well. Uh, the Venetian was such a, a great resort. We went to Adventure Dome. Uh, I don't want to turn this into like a slideshow of our vacation. Uh, an oral slideshow, but man. Which you've already seen if you follow Jonathan on Twitter. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen all of our pictures. But the the reason people are likely listening to this is to, to hear a discussion of Double or Nothing, AEW's inaugural wrestling show, and uh, it delivered and more. Yeah, I mean, as wonderful as Vegas was overall, this was my highlight for certain. Um the show was absolutely amazing. Uh, it was super fun for all of us, all four of us, from start to finish. Um, even at the main event, end of the show, boys were still smiling. They were still happy. Uh, there we left on a high note and uh, had a great walk home. And I honestly rode a high the whole next day. <laughs> <laughs> Crashed pretty hard come Monday. But yeah, it was it was really great. Yeah, I mean they they did everything right. I mean not only was the wrestling fantastic from beginning to end, like there was nothing on that show that I didn't enjoy, but the little things that like families like ours kind of worry about because we have two kids with autism and bringing them to an event like this is potentially like a scary situation, but AEW has uh, this sensory inclusion room which, you know, is a nice and calming and peaceful environment in the bowels of the arena. And, and I took the kids down there a couple of times during the event, and, and, and it was it worked just as intended. Like, it helped calm them down for, for that little brief period of time until they could get back up. And, and we got back up just in time the second time to see the Young Bucks versus, versus the Lucha Brothers. And uh, our son, Sean is definitely a fan that enjoys high spots. Yes. And so this was the match for him. Like a lot of it he could take give you know take or leave, but right. this match like had had their attention and uh, so that that was pretty exciting to see them enjoying it. Yeah, it was uh it was great whenever he would get a little a little fidgety, a little you know 
I guess I, I don't know if he gets bored so much as he just wants to get up and do something different. Um, you take him down there, you'd come back up, and he'd be calm. Uh, he'd be happy. He'd be ready to watch, you know, two, three more matches. And, you know, it was, it was great. It was everything that, that we could ask for. It makes it so easy on us. Yeah, I wanted to try to make a point of, like, thanking them. Uh, you know, maybe it felt like overkill on, on Twitter, but, you know, like, it, it it kind of feels, I think, like, to some people, like, this is just like a publicity stunt when Brandy Rhodes gets on uh, YouTube and talks about this great initiative they have. Like, maybe there's people that don't realize that that real people actually use these things and, and, and that it has a profound effect on people. And so, um, you know, in, in case no one else thank them for the, for their efforts. I, you know, I want to just make sure that we did because we used it and, and it was great. And who were you thanking? Besides Brandy? Yes. Oh, well, Chris Jericho? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh, Culture City, right? Culture Rec? Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> I thought we were thanking Chris Jericho for everything. Uh, that's the story, I think. Um, so, you know, it was such a great experience all around that uh, when they announced that they were coming back to Chicago for All Out in August, uh, I think you got swept up in the moment. Yeah, we went immediately, as soon as the show was over, we went immediately back to the hotel room and we checked uh, ticket prices to see how much it would cost us to fly out to Chicago Labor Day weekend. Uh, it turns out it was incredibly reasonable, so we just booked it. Yeah, I mean, so, what a crazy decision. We don't have tickets. No, um, one way or the other. Fingers whether, are crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed on Ticketmaster or we'll be looking at the secondary markets, um, but or, you know, worst case scenario, we're just going to go see Chicago for Labor Day. We are definitely going to Chicago. Yeah, well, so we have airline tickets to go to Chicago. So, <laughs> hello, Chicago. Um, so, uh, as we do, we picked five things. This time, for this version of the podcast, it's not wrestling generally. It's our five favorite things about Double or Nothing. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Yeah, yeah, we'll start with uh, number five, and um, it's it was the crowd, the general atmosphere. It was crazy. It was absolutely insane. Everyone was so enthusiastic about absolutely everything. Yeah, I've never seen like a wrestling crowd that exuded and like just that much positivity, like everything they loved. Like there was, you know, what is it, three, three or four hour show? And yeah, then, like four hours, I think. And it was just like everything that happened, they were, the, they were, the show was geared especially for these 12,000 fans, it seemed like. You know, everyone was on board with everything that was happening. And uh, that that's exciting. Like that kind of enthusiasm is infectious. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I just, when we were going into the arena, um, there was just like, just a, a, just a buzz, just a general buzz. Everyone, you could hear all the different conversations, people talking about who they were excited to see, what they were excited to see, what they hoped was going to happen. Um, just, you know, just conversing about, um, you know, what they thought the surprises were going to be or what was in store for them or what was going to be the best match. I mean... It was even though the lines were long, and uh, you 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 hazard a guess as to why they had so much trouble getting people into the arena, um, you know, in a timely manner. And and I thought your explanation made sense, which is that the Grand Garden Arena is more used to hosting things like boxing or maybe uh, mixed martial arts, and people 
simply don't show up for the undercard. But here, all these 12,000 fans were showing up for the, they, they were there when doors were supposed to open. And I think they were like nearly a half an hour late in starting to get people in. So it, you know, backed up in all directions and everything. And I saw people on Twitter were, uh, were a little annoyed by that. But, you know, even with the crowds just kind of standing around inside, outside, waiting to get in, it was, it was still like a very positive attitude about, about AEW, about the show, about what everyone hoped to see. Yeah, normally when you go to a boxing event, especially, but in mixed martial arts too, to some extent, like uh, the crowd just kind of trickles in. Like there's a very few hardcore that want to see everything. Uh, and then, you know, some people want to see, you know, half the show or they want to see the main card or there's some people that just show up for the last couple fights. And that's how Las Vegas normally works. I don't think they're really geared for this kind of crowd uh, where everyone wants to see everything. Mm-hmm. Like there was nobody there that would rather have been at the tables, uh, you know, playing cards. Uh, every one of these wrestling fans wanted to be there from beginning to end, and they were perhaps not exactly ready for that. <laughs> Seemed that, like it. That, that was my guess. But man, the crowd was crazy. Like they're so like not only did they pop for the the big acts, but like stuff like Awesome Kong coming out. Like that got like a almost like a Steve Austin like kind of like response from the crowd. Like it was incredible. Like wh- I mean, everything they just loved everything, and, yeah. and that made made me really happy. Yeah, and uh, and and also just um, the way that the that people in the crowd when we were going into the arena uh, during the show and then after you know when we were walking uh, back to our hotel, um, like everybody wanted to like engage in such a, a friendly manner. Like we had people approach us um, when they saw that we had the the Culture City backpacks and to talk about how wonderful that initiative was to ask us if the boys you know, enjoyed themselves. And, and if we got, you know, support, um, we were happy to talk to people about that during the show. I had people, you know, from behind and front, you know, we were, we'd share a laugh at the same things. They, I remember when orange Cassidy came out, a lot of people hadn't seen the, the Twitter announcement that day. And so they, you know, they were like, is that orange, is that orange Cassidy? And they were, you know, looking at me, looking at everyone, like, you know, trying to get an answer. And um, just yeah, it was just a just an incredibly positive crowd. It was a, a really nice place to be for three to four hours. Yeah, and it was, that that was really fun. And I I wasn't sure what to expect because when you read about wrestling audiences on like Twitter and places like that, you know, there's a a real negative vibe about you know wrestling fans being rude and uh, and regressive and like maybe screaming bad things and you know smelling bad and and all these other things that you hear about wrestling fans. And we didn't really necessarily notice that. Like, that wasn't a big thing. We had one drunk come into our section who smelled pretty bad and was trying to start trouble. Uh, but besides that, like, everyone was lovely. Yeah. And and, and it was, a, 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 I think, to me anyway, a more surprisingly diverse crowd than I thought it would be. Um, we saw couples. We saw families. Um, we saw uh, just really a great representation like it was not at all uh i think the stereotypical what people think a wrestling crowd is going to look like they're working their way towards the new japan uh 40 percent yeah they're not there they're not there let's not let's not exaggerate (laughs) like it's still uh 75 percent single looking white guys uh with beards and black t-shirts um 
but they were nice, lovely, lovely gentlemen for the most part. So uh, whatever that we you know, whoever you are, wrestling is for you. So that's uh, that's kind of the message of this promotion, I think. And uh, it feels like the fans are really enjoying that and buying into it. So uh, we're kind of in this together. That's kind of uh, how they present it. And, and it's an effective marketing technique, but it also feels kind of genuine in some ways. And maybe that's me being worked. But if that's the case, then I'll, I'll be happily worked. Well, it does seem like there's a very large percentage of this crowd that has that is definitely bought in to this idea. And I think that if if their audience is, if that's what their audience wants, like then that's what it's going to be. Yeah. So um, number four is a person who maybe doesn't fit that mold, uh, a nasty individual, but we, <laughs> we kind of like that. His name is uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, known as MJF, and uh, he is uh, perhaps the, the most promising young professional wrestler in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's part of his shtick to remind everyone that he is the future of this promotion. He is the future of professional wrestling, uh, but I believe him. I really believe that he is the future of uh, professional wrestling. He is the total package. Uh, he's handsome. He's young. He's incredibly athletic. He's already an incredibly talented wrestler. And he is amazing on the microphone. Yeah, he's got a personality for days. And we should say that we're perhaps a little biased. <laughs> if you didn't see our Twitter and our pictures, uh, Christina and I... Uh, Dressed up as MJF uh, to come to the event, we had our MJF scarf and our snotty looks, or maybe those are our natural looks. I don't know. That's just our faces. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, all I did was try to look rich. Yeah, it was it worked <laughs> out. Like, and so we, we had our MJF scarfs, and that got us some looks and uh, some some kind comments. One lady th- uh, was asked me if uh, his scarf had flown off into the crowd, and like, did I catch his scarf? <laughs> like, uh, no, this. Uh, came from amazon but uh <laughs> it was fun to to put on the the scarf and, and be mjf for a minute and then to have him uh, represent so well like it would have been embarrassing to dress up as a professional wrestler as a grown person <laughs> and then have that professional wrestler go out there and shit the bed but mjf went out and was uh, one of the stars of the battle royal and then he came out again um when bret hart was out there presenting the the championship belt yeah, if you didn't know MJF going in uh, to this show, um, he in in the limited time that you got to see him, he made incredibly clear who he is. Uh, first with his appearance in, in the Battle Royale, where one, um, he was already getting a ton of heat just for being MJF, uh, but then he just you know made sure that that continued by attacking you know all the all the the favorites the sympathetic favorites uh in the battle royale including like dustin thomas aka uh, no legs no legs and uh brandon cutler um the the good friend of the of the young bucks um who uh got everybody a little teary-eyed in one of the last episodes of being the elite um yeah he dead he just heat on top of heat and then you get to see him as one of the final four in the battle royale really you know kind of telegraphing the message that like you know this this is one of the guys that you need to be to look to look out for and then i was incredibly pleased uh because of course we didn't really get to to see him on the mic as as part of the battle royale because he was out there in the first group 
Uh, so he was wrestling the whole time from beginning to end. He was one of the first five, and then he was uh, one of the final two. Um, he got to come out later in the segment where uh, Bret Hart was presenting um, the, the new AEW uh, championship belt and uh, got to work the mic, and, and he was great. He was absolutely slain. It is uh, it is interesting to watch him walk this line because, um, you know, the kind of the... The idea in professional wrestling is that like a, a comedy act is like a mid-card or undercard act, and it's hard to main event with it. And so he he really is is straddling the line really kind of dangerously between a comedy act and a serious main event act. And right now I think he's pulling it off. Like he's funny, but uh, when the time there's a time to be serious, and he he pulls that off too. So he's both he's both a, a great comedy wrestler and he he has another gear he can switch into. And so right now I think it's working. But that's something. Should he want advice? from someone with zero professional <laughs> wrestling experience, uh, I would tell him to, to we really have to be careful there because if you go too far in one direction, it's hard to come back, I think, from it. And so um, he, he needs to be cognizant of all times that he wants to be taken seriously as a potential main event wrestler. And so, um, and just have that as a thought in the back of his head when he's thinking about some of these other segments he agrees or doesn't agree to participate in. Just my thought. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm sure he's listening. He's, he's a big fan, I've heard. Are we moving on to number three? Sure, unless you have more for MJF. I mean, we could talk. This could be the MJF podcast. I, I mean, the only thing I would add is that just watch him. Just watch this guy. I'm, we have said this from the first time that we ever saw MJF. That this guy, is the he's the future. He's He's got he's got everything and 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 he's like a child. So I mean, <laughs> like legitimately though, the very first time we saw him, like both of us just looked at each other and were like, "Oh, this he's got something." Yes. Like there's a pre- he has a presence that not everyone has. Like there's a lot of people who are mechanically very good at wrestling who don't have the the presence to be a superstar. And being so young. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, keep your eye on him. He's gonna be big. I feel I feel good about that. All right, so number three. Number three, we picked uh, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers for the AAA tag team titles. I, I thought this was pretty spectacular in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, I, I liked that my, I mean, this is soft and sappy, I guess, but, but my favorite part is that I did like that uh, my son Sean was clapping for it and sometimes, and uh, you know, that's, a, that's cool when you can reach a different audience like that. And so it maybe wasn't always... The kind of wrestling that I would love, but the, it, it was like an exciting brand of wrestling. You can't deny that, no matter what, you know, whether it's your cup of tea or not. Like the the level of athleticism and the performance was was really spectacular. Yeah, um, yeah, the the high spots were just absolutely amazing. Ray Phoenix. I mean, that guy is something else, he right? He is, and Nick Jackson is so athletic. Um, they can both do, do just amazing stuff. And um, and Matt Jackson was moving really well in this match. After, yeah, he, you know, I think that, I think he really was injured or has been injured. He he wasn't moving as well a few months ago. Looks like he really benefited from that time off, and uh, and they look spectacular. And it was just crazy spot after crazy spot, which I didn't recognize. I didn't recognize. Uh, I a lot of those spots were tributes to um 
tag teams that that they have feuded with in the past. I mean, I recognize some of the spots they use that from the Lucha Brothers themselves. I didn't recognize some of the others until um, I saw you know people discussing it online. So actually, that was really neat. That would have uh, added to my enjoyment had I recognized some of those. But you know, I've been out of the game for a long time, <laughs> so I didn't. I don't know about their old feuds. Right. Um, but so there's a lot for us to catch up. Yeah. On. But uh, I thought that um, if I was going to engage in any sort of criticism, it would be I thought that there was maybe a little bit too much at the end where like there were too many near falls. And so it was like, you know, by the time it was finally the finish, it was a little exhausting. You know, I, I don't think you need 10 near falls and 10 finishers at the end before finally one of them counts. That's just my personal preference. But um, I can't deny that the, that the level of performance was was beyond, um, I would say, anyone else on that card as far as like their ability to execute maneuvers in the ring like just incredible and we i've seen a lot of lucha brothers live this year doing this book with ryan loco uh and uh and they're they always do something amazing but a lot of times they also screw a lot of stuff up like just being honest like they they they're hit and miss uh but in this match they were nailing everything and when that happens when uh, you know you're going to see something special because the things that they do are unlike anyone else in wrestling. Yep. Moving on. Yes. Yeah, so we had some debate here. Yes. Uh, we could not come to a consensus. No. About what number one was number one and what was number two. No. So, um, as a gentleman, I, I will allow you to decide which is one and which is one A. All right, well, if I'm deciding, then I guess 1A um, is going to have to be the introduction of Moxley to AEW. Clearly number one, (laughs) 1A. So we've decided together that it was 1A. But this was a moment. Like, you can't deny that, like, the, the tension in the building, like, the buzz in the building... As people started to notice uh, John Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose in WWE, he if you didn't see this show and you're still listening to this, <laughs> uh, he came after the, the main event match was Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho won with his new finisher, which was his spinning elbow, the Judas effect. That's what he calls I it. I believe is what he calls it. It looked really good. It did actually so, look yeah, really he, good. So he beat Kenny Omega. Who could believe that? But it happened. Strange things happen in sports. And so Jericho's giving this speech in the ring about how everyone owes everything to him. They need to thank him. The crowd needs to thank him. Kenny Omega needs to thank him. The boys in the back need to thank him. He made it all happen. Yes, and you have to remember that one of the reasons that you need to thank him is because he is a big WWE star. The only one. Right, in AEW. So as he's saying all this... (laughs) From the the top of the arena, walking down the stairs, comes John Moxley, and as the people in the crowd begin to notice him, that like there's just a buzz and it grows and it grows and it grows, and finally the entire crowd explodes. And this is like I've heard it compared to to all kinds of different pops in wrestling, but having seen Stone Cold Steve Austin live. It was uh, every bit as loud as when the glass broke and Stone Cold walked out in the in the late 90s. Like, this was huge. Like, the crowd was so excited to see this guy step into the ring. 
then Jericho's expression as he yes. noticed him and he dropped the microphone. Um, it was electric. I, I, I felt alive in that moment. Yeah, um, it was. I, I actually I was watching the people around me as it became clear that something was going to happen. Like you could kind of tell that Jericho, you know, he was going on with the speech. Kenny's just laid out in the ring, not even trying to like roll out, you know, or, or move along. You knew some, you were waiting for something. You just didn't know a hundred percent what it was. And then I just watched as people's heads began to turn in that direction. Cause we were kind of opposite from where Moxley was coming in. And it was just like, you know, it was like a, watching a crowd do the wave or something as everybody's <laughs> head turned. And then before the, the, you know, the, the crowd like ramped up in their noise. You could hear individual people exclaim things like, Oh my God, he's here. It's Moxley. And they're, you know, they're just like yelling. And it, it was, we just, we wa- just finished watching the backstage episode of being the elite. And, you know, they had people taking, you know, phone videos and everything from all directions. They did not capture how loud this crowd was like, yeah. I mean, not at all. It, it was great footage, and it did show the some excitement, and like you could feel, and even in the back, like you see, like the the Cody and the Young Bucks and and uh, Mrs. Matt and all, you know, their their response to it was just like, yeah, we nailed this. Yes, but uh, it did not quite capture how it felt to be there, right? Because and, it was louder than that. Yes, the crowd was was so excited. And they were loud for a very long time. <laughs> they, you know, just the a general buzz, and then they chanted his name, and uh, yeah, it was just it was um, it was amazing. They did a very good job with it. Yeah, and the work that they've done in this promotion to to keep it rolling, that their television doesn't start until the fall. They've built all of this strictly on social media, and then the booking of their wrestling matches, and it's really remarkable how much stuff they have set up with uh, with just those platforms mm-hmm. and how like other promotions we're not going to say who like have a hard time doing this even with like hours of weekly television but meanwhile in this promotion so now you have Moxley set up for a big feud with Kenny Omega who he attacked afterwards uh, Jericho as well uh, because he went after clearly him. chagrined to have him there in uh, AEW. Exactly, uh, you have uh, Jericho and Hangman Page now, by virtue of their victories at this event, will be fighting for the world championship. Uh, you also have something brewing, and ha- it has been brewing for a long time between Jericho and Cody Rhodes. That's right. And so, um, so much. All that is just through the natural booking of this show. And the logical progression of these stories, like it's they've they've already set up the next show. The next yeah. big show is ready. It's ready to go. Yeah, and it doesn't I, require anything except for to make us even more excited because we're already there. Right. Well, I mean, we had you actually had even more than that. You had MJF come out and demand that that a that a hurt and hobbled uh, Hangman Page give up his chance at the championship to him, the future of AEW. Um, then. He got taken out by Jimmy Havoc. Right. Um, so, you, yeah, I mean, they've just, they've set up uh, so many interesting, uh, you know, potential matches, potential feuds, and even those bigger 
overarching stories like right. MJF insisting like I am the future of this promotion. Um, you Cody and Jericho, um, you know, executive vice president versus not executive vice president who believes he is the most important person in the room always. Right. Like, like these the, are the big general manager stories. and the star athlete or something. Yes, these are big stories. This is this, these are not just, you know, one off match stories. These are I think, you know, stories that you're gonna see and you're gonna feel for a long time. Yeah. So th- to me this is what you're supposed to feel like after a big wrestling show, which is uh so thrilled by what you've seen and so excited for what you're going to see next. Perfect. And wow, I mean, talk about nailing it your first time out. Uh, I mean, these guys did it. And we haven't done the number one yet. And we haven't even done one A. The number one that I chose. And and, uh, and it was also my favorite match. So go ahead. Um, So that was the battle between Cody Rhodes and his brother, Dustin Rhodes. And... <laughs> we, t- we talked last week about how excited we wow. were for it, and it was even better. Yeah, um, you know, we we discussed that this would be a style of match that would be different than anything else that was on the card because Dustin is fifty years old, and um, Cody Rhodes is not the most athletic uh, wrestler that we've ever seen, and so it so it did have a very kind of um, I don't know old school feel to it. Um, but the emotional punch of this match, um, they showed us, they did a sort of a modified version of the uh, promo that Dustin had done, uh, you know, on Double On, on Road, Road to, to Double, Double or Nothing. Nothing. They both had done magnificent promos. Yes, and, and Cody's response to that, uh, which sets it up um, as this, you know, brother versus brother match. And, um, and then, like... The match itself, the this the symbolism in this match is just amazing because um, Dustin does a blade job that is grotesque. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it wasn't just like a crimson mask; it was like a crimson bodysuit. I mean, he was just <laughs> covered in blood so much so um, that Cody, by the end, is also covered in his brother's blood. And which is just like there's just so much symbolism there when when this match is really it's about you know their blood like they're <laughs> right they are you know they are blood relatives they are blood brothers like it's just it was just crazy um, to you know to see them both uh, you know bloodied beaten at the end of this match with Cody victorious um, and and Dustin you know pretty down. And there's so many like levels to it too, though. Like, so you could look at it as that's Dustin saying, like, I'm really this the spiritual son of our father, Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> because who's more famous for bleeding profusely, profusely. Uh, than Dusty Rhodes? Right. And so he's sitting there looking just like Dusty Rhodes yes. in the face, covered in blood, and, and it's just like, uh, winner or loser, like you know, he's staking his claim for that legacy. And, and so you could watch this match on so many different levels. And uh, it, it was so powerful to me that I wrote an entire essay about it, like, it, by hand in the airplane on the way back. <laughs> like, I just had to, like, put something down because it, it was, um, 
among the best like the storytelling in this not just in the match but in the big in the prelude the yes. interviews leading into it the match itself and then the aftermath where you know they they agreed well first i remember reaching over and grabbing your arm and saying oh my god he's unlacing his boots like it really looked like you know like dustin was prepared to leave his wrestling boots in the ring the the symbol of being done, retiring. Yeah, but now that they've worked out their differences, I, I guess you know Cody's idea is that before he says goodbye, they should do it together one more time, and so uh, that that'll be interesting to see too. And uh, yeah, this was a, a great wrestling match, and I encourage everyone to to check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, even if you're like an older fan, I know there's some people who listen to us who don't actually like the AEW or the style of wrestling they present. But I think that if you like 1980s wrestling, uh, this is going to be your thing too. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to imagine like if you if there if you like any kind of professional wrestling, like I feel like that you would like this this story. I I would encourage you to. Um, you know, watch the package, the promo package before, watch the match, you know, and, and just, you got to watch the, the whole ending. It's really, really, it was quite emotional. Like the, everyone around me was, uh, there was a lot of tears. pretty touched. Yeah. Yeah. Like people could legitimately crying in the crowd. Well, so he had, you know, Cody has this amazing line when he's asking Dustin to tag with him. He needs a tag team partner. Uh, for one of their upcoming shows and he wants it to be Dustin and he, and he says, you know, I, I don't need, I don't need a partner. I, I don't need a friend. I need my brother. And the, then everybody around us, as soon as he said, like, I don't need a partner ever, like everyone around me was he like, needs he a needs a brother. <laughs> it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. There was a lot of gulps happening. Yes. It, it, they, Man, they did a great job. Yeah, that was it was fantastic. And um, who would have thought that with all this talent on this show, you've got Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, every great young wrestler in the world, and um, that Cody and Dustin Rhodes would have the match of the night. Like uh, I knew they'd have a good match, but to have the the <laughs> actual best match, like I even Uncle Dave probably I don't know he may have liked the, the Young Bucks, but. I mean, everyone had to acknowledge that as a master class in, in professional wrestling. I will just point out that as soon as we started wondering who Cody's partner would be, or opponent would be, I told you it has to be Goldust, it has to be Goldust, it has to be Goldust. Because I saw the potential in that. You did. <laughs> it pains me to admit how right you are so often. But yeah, you knew, you knew it right away, and you knew that it would be great. I don't know how you knew. But um, it was, and because I'm, I'm so happy. Because they're brothers. Because they're brothers. <laughs> All right. Well, so that was our top five. Uh, but now we're going to do some additional uh, questions from listeners, an all-AEW edition okay. to keep with the, this podcast. And we have some other questions that we'll pick up for our next show. But right now, we're just going to take some AEW ones. All right. All right. So the first one is from Patrick Kernigan. Uh, wants to know... Who is the greatest character on the AEW roster, and why is it Luchasaurus? <laughs> and boy, I love Luchasaurus. 
Yeah, I, he had a wonderful showing in the Battle Royale. I was very excited to see the announcement a few days later that he had signed with AEW. Um, he's, he's well, I mean, one, uh, he's a dinosaur, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and he's a big, giant dinosaur. <laughs> but, who, he, yeah, he's got size and athleticism. And a master's degree. And a, and apparently a master's degree in European history. Um, I, and he's a dinosaur. And he's a dinosaur. And I, he this likes is a Lucha Libre. Yeah, this yeah. is a great addition. L- Luchasaurus against anybody in main event in any town in this country. Right. But he's not the best character in AEW. No? No. The best character in AEW is MJF. I mean, MJF is a really good character. There are some other ones that um, are are pretty dang close. Uh, I would have to put Joey Janela on a list of of great characters that competes with anybody. Like, uh, the guy just exudes scumbag energy. Wait, he's a character? That's a character? (laughs) It's a shoot character. He's living the gimmick. I don't know if it's a gimmick or not. Uh, Whether it's real or it's a character, uh, Joey Janela is a... you know immediately what he is about, much like MJF. Like it doesn't take long seeing MJF to understand um, he's a variation of Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Man. And you look at like Joey Janela, and he's like, "Oh, that's like that guy that hangs out by the convenience store trying to sell you weed." <laughs> like you you understand immediately who he is, and uh, he's he's wonderful. And so I expected to see him like on one of our walkways, like asking me, "Do you like magic shows?" <laughs> <laughs> he definitely wants you to come out and like his van or something for who knows what reason. Um, yeah, so the, there's there's a lot of great characters, the Luchasaurus among them. So this is a promotion that really, I mean, it sounds trite and cliched, but it really does have a little bit of everything, like something for everyone, yeah. no matter what you're into. They've probably got a character for you. Yeah, now we've got Moxley, Jimmy Havoc. Um, I'm not as familiar as you are with uh, Darby Allen, but I'm thinking he has to be a character. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to now. Actually, I talked to him at length, and you know, you never know with wrestlers like how much you're being put on. But it it seems like Darby Allen is just Darby Allen, and a delightful, smart, weird guy. Well, <laughs> so uh, he's. I'd- that can be a character. Yeah, it's a good character, but I think he's living it. So um, he's another one. We haven't seen him yet. So there's a lot more to come with AEW, and I'm, I'm really thrilled. Um, so two-man power trip who runs a couple of podcasts, including one with uh, Shane Douglas, the franchise, uh, wants to know, uh, do we think that Moxley is a main event star or is uh, presenting him as such a misstep by AEW? Presumably, I guess, because he was a mid-card wrestler in WWE. And there is that kind of like danger in like taking like a, a WWE castaway in some, in some sense. Right. Like the third most popular member of The Shield. And being like, in our wrestling promotion, he's the biggest star. Like that, that could make you look podunk. And I've seen that in, a, in MMA where like, you know, some smaller promotion right. will be like, here's a UFC guy that they just released. He's our new big guy. And, you know, yes, people have some familiarity with him, but you're also advertising like that your top guy is a, a mid-level guy in the big leagues. Right. That may not be the look they want. So it just depends on um, what they believe the fan thinks about Moxley. Does the fan think that he was a superstar held down in WWE or do they think of him as like some WWE jobber? Uh, the fans that were in that arena treated him like a main event star. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I think that he, 
it feels like he could be a main event star. Um, I'll just be honest. You know for a fact that I thought Dean Ambrose was really hot. So that, <laughs> that helps, right? Um, he's a bigger guy. Uh, he's got a lot of natural wrestling talent. I, I don't know. I really feel like maybe how they use him will determine that. Um, looks like he's going to get a run in New Japan. Um, so that, that will help with a certain fan base, too. I don't know. It remains to be seen. I think it's worth a shot. Like, I think there's a lot of WWE wrestlers that I would not want to see them immediately put on the top of the card. He's one of the ones where I felt like consistently the audience was ready to embrace him in a way WWE wasn't. And that's like the kind of wrestler that you can take advantage of. And uh, much the same way I think that WWE took advantage of Chris Jericho, uh, a much younger Chris Jericho 20-some years ago, when he came over from WCW where if you looked at it, like objectively, he was an undercard wrestler who didn't really have that much success. But that's not what the audience saw, and that's not what Vince saw. They saw a wrestler who the audience was dying to get behind, who wanted to see do more, and WCW just didn't give it to us. And so that's, I think, the same vibe that I'm getting with Moxley, which is he's this guy that everyone has just been waiting to see break out, and it never happened, only now it's going to happen, in your competition's ring. Yeah. And so that's that's a good space to be in, I think, if you're taking a WWE star, is you grab one that everyone wants better things for, not one that everyone's sick of. You know, that, that would be terrible, I think, for AEW. So they'll have to be careful going forward. But I think this was really savvy. This is a guy that people want to see wrestle and do his thing, his way. And that's what we're going to get And a... It'll be on his shoulders whether he delivers or not. And that's a an exciting place to be, I think, as a performer, as an artist, to be like, okay, my vision, and it's up to me to connect to this audience. Right. And so... Well, you could see um, his, for as many ooh. years as he has been doing this, on the in the uh, backstage on Being the Elite, I mean, you could see how both excited and nervous he was uh, to go out there and see how the tr- crowd was going to react to this. And um, I mean, I, I just, I feel like they have to be incredibly pleased with, with his introduction. Like, um, I, I can't even imagine a more excited crowd. So, yeah, like you said, this is uh, kind of all on his shoulders. He's going to start from a very high place, and um, at least with the, the AEW audience, and see what they can build. Yeah, so our last question comes from Zook Man. Uh, just wants to know if AEW is going to bring back the death match. And uh, I'm not sure the death match has ever gone anywhere right. exactly, but to major, I guess, the hardcore match maybe that used to be more a staple of the larger promotions thanks to the influence of ECW has kind of gone away with the softer, gentler right. WWE. Now, we saw... Uh, a clip on Twitter of Jimmy Havoc stapling a lit cigarette to Joey Janela's head. Twice. Yeah, he stapled gotta, it twice. Gotta make sure it stays. Yeah, you want to see it. And that was during the, the Battle Royale, which was the free portion for like the general audience. And so um, I'd say they're not necessarily going to shy away from some of this stuff. Well, they brought in uh, Moxley. Yes. They brought in Jimmy Havoc. Um, we've uh, seen... 
you know, Joey Janela can can definitely do some hardcore stuff. I mean, we've even seen, you know, not, I wouldn't say deathmatch stuff, but some hardcore stuff even from clean-cut guy like MJF. So um, they definitely have guys who, who work in this space. Yeah, and then you've seen that in several major Cody Rhodes matches, including his, his NWA title match with Nick Aldis, and then this match with his brother Dustin, like they're, they're willing to bring blood back into wrestling, uh, something that WWE has long shied away from. And so, um, yeah, there, there are elements here that are not present in WWE, and, and it could be that they're bringing these things back, and uh, we're excited to find out. Because uh, what happened today, as we, you know, before we recorded this on what is today? Tuesday? Wednesday? Wednesday. Trip threw me off. It is Wednesday, the middle of the week. And we purchased tickets to Fighter Fest. That's Ken- right. Kenny Omega's extravaganza, in which we are going to be like in the lap of luxury, is my understanding from his videos. <laughs> and, and there will also be wrestling matches. And one of those wrestling matches is uh, Moxley versus Joey Janela. And this is, I mean, we're going to see Zook Man probably right away what sort of hardcore elements they're willing to present because these guys will get after it yeah. if, they, if they're allowed to. And so, uh, I don't know. I'm super excited for it, like almost like giddy for it. Like it'll be cool to see Kenny again and, and the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks and Cody and all those guys. But... Um, something about Moxley and Joey Janela just feels like a good fit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our summer is shaping up to be uh, pretty wild. Wrestling-wise, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, from the last weekend in June through the first two weekends in July, we are going to drive to see Kenny and then Koda, Ibushi, and then Kenny again. Um this is, yeah, this is uh, absolutely crazy. Yeah, so we may be among the very few people who see each of the first four AEW shows because we, we've seen Double or Nothing, we have tickets to Fighter Fest, we have tickets to Jacksonville, and we have a plane ride <laughs> to Chicago. <laughs> and so, uh, it, you know, uh, we're all in as kind of like AEW super fans. Like everything that they do appeals to me personally it feels like like it's almost like it was being it was built just for me and i know that's not true but it feels true and i think a lot of people right feel down that way. to being in florida right down to being near it <laughs> like near enough that we could make this drive like i don't want people to think we're like ultra wealthy people who are jet setting like we're we're gonna drive to two of these shows and so it, it's it, it's it makes it perfect for us and uh i couldn't be more thrilled to like have a chance to go and see this world-class wrestling and this promising new thing and and it's like infancy yeah we're gonna see all of these shows before their television even starts i mean i i don't know i like i (laughs) I, i'm still excited just thinking about it like you know uh, this opportunity just it just feels it feels like this is the time yeah, well, between, I mean, we were happy even just watching All In on pay-per-view. We picked it as our favorite show last year. Yes, of the, the entire year. Yes, and um, and then, of course, Double or Nothing was a wonderful experience. So the You mid- said the best live sporting experience you've ever had. Oh, for sure. 
Definitely. I um I mean I I really used to enjoy going to those ECW shows and twice I went to major league baseball games in which I had been the MVP of large softball tournaments and I got honored at the at the baseball stadiums and so that was pretty cool. This was cooler. <laughs> Wait, this was cooler than having your name like on the big uh, jumbo truck? Yeah, I mean, one time I got to go out to the mound in Kansas City. <laughs> but this was better. Yeah, this was better. Wow. Because, um, you know, that was just kind of weird and embarrassing. <laughs> I was horribly sunburnt from days of playing softball. Um, but no, this was this was more fun, for sure. Um, but yeah, I just... Um, as soon as they as soon as they announced um, the all out show in Chicago, uh, we just knew that we had to go. Like we just, if we could afford it, and plane tickets were surprisingly reasonable, uh, we had to go because um, it. They have just filled us with so much confidence. Like you cannot. There's no. There's no reason to doubt that it isn't. That it won't be an amazing show. Yes, and they've um, they haven't announced a card. But in some ways, they kind of have because they're building their stories in a way that makes so much sense that you get a sense of what's going to be there. And so uh, I'm absolutely sight unseen, 100% confident that they are going to do something excellent. Yeah. And, and because all of this, all of these shows are happening before their television product even begins, um, you, I think you kind of also know, one, you're going to get to see the premiere of a lot of the talent that you've seen signed, but we haven't really seen yet, like say Darby Allen, for example. Um, but then also, I think that there's some level of confidence that there's going to continue to be some surprises, because obviously by the time the fall comes around, things have to be or will be a little more set. You'll you'll know more what the roster looks like and who you can expect to see, um, you know, more regularly. So I think you'll you'll continue to get more information, more surprises along the way. So um, yeah, I think all these shows should probably be a lot of fun. And it'll still be the honeymoon stage of it, right? Where, like you know, they're trying to impress everyone. They're trying to build this audience. They're trying to explain um, in the ring exactly what they're about. And so everyone will be very uh, keen on delivering their best performances. And you know. As much as we would like to think it will always be true, that will not always be true. Right. Once they get into a weekly grind, and once some people become unhappy with their push, and they realize, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not slotted where I want to be, etc. Things that just happen in real life, in any kind of workplace, even a, even a happy one, right. even one that that is gelling well, you know, there's some level of discontent and stuff. Like we're seeing it now when everything is fresh and new, and everyone is so happy to be there, and. Um, I don't know. You feel it. Yeah. You just feel it in, in the crowd, and it's it's cool in some small way to be a part of it. All right. That's Double or Nothing. That was it. Double or Nothing. So um, our next podcast will not be all about AEW. We've got a lot of stuff coming up wrestling-wise. You are heading out, making another town. I am, yeah. That's true. Going to Milwaukee to see MLW, which has a heck of a card coming up. Uh, this Saturday uh, on June 1st and then so much uh, great stuff I believe Teddy Hart for the middleweight championship against Jimmy Havoc yes uh, my close personal friend of the podcast Tom Lawler is teaming with the sons of Kevin Von Erich against Contra Unit 
Um, they are some specimens, by the way, if you haven't seen them. Who, the Von Air the Boys? Von Boys. Yeah, they, they're some hosses. They, they look like Von Air Boys, <laughs> the way I remember them as a kid. So it's like... it's and like one of them wrestles barefoot. Uh, of course. I love have. that. They should. Um, <laughs> MJF against Savior Boy Smith. Um, so many things. Uh, Mance Warner is taking on Sammy Callahan in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Like, there's just... These MLW cards are endless. And that I mean that in a good way. Um, you know, because they're taping weeks of television, so they're, they're delivering a lot of what main event matches up and down the card. No spoilers. No spoilers. I don't provide any spoilers. So one of the cards will be live. We can talk about that. You spoiled me this week, so don't lie. I won't spoil the audience. <laughs> I accidentally spoiled Christina, who is, uh, of course, an M- a professional MLW podcaster, I thought would have been up on MLW. But uh, I spoiled her. But that is also coming up soon. We'll be launching our new MLW podcast. The first two guests uh, have already, we've recorded interviews with uh, the, the head honcho, Court Bauer, and the legendary Jim Cornette. Those will be our first two guests. And I'll, I will be corralling a bunch of new guests in Milwaukee. We'll talk to some wrestlers every week. Uh, it'll be a thing. I think it's going to be great, at least based on the first two interviews. Yes, we did well. So <laughs> maybe maybe every show will be just as good. And in addition We're, to... It's like our own AEW. <laughs> in addition to MLW, we've got Best of Super Juniors uh, continuing on. We are currently two days behind, uh, so we have got to get caught up. Uh, then we have an amazing card um, at, at in the finals for uh, Best of Super Juniors. That's when we're going to see Moxley... Make his journey over to New Japan. Yeah, as a knife pervert. A new knife pervert. Who knew? Who's going to immediately get a shot at the U.S. Championship. Um, And we also have an NXT TakeOver coming up. Ring of Honor as well, I believe. Ring of Honor has two shows, that's right. So, I mean, it is chock full of of great wrestling. And that's in addition to all the great indie action that's available on on Powerbomb TV and independent wrestling and high spots and you know everything that's available all the time on the WWE network like you know there's so much wrestling you couldn't possibly watch all of it no it's impossible i try we're doing our best i try and it, it is absolute there're just not enough hours in the day so between now and the next one we'll do our best to see everything and then we'll just tell you about the things we do manage to see and and what we enjoyed and and hope that you'll love it too